Hey guys, it's Maya and I just wanted to jump on here and promote my takes Instagram really quick because we're doing a lot of fun things. I'm doing more posts, more stories, and I also have to say I've started a new series called The Bottom Shelf and it's video reviews, IGTV video reviews, and I think they're super fun and they're all on the Instagram. So go follow my take on social media and specifically on Instagram at underscore my take. Okay, so if you know me, you know that I love a Nick Stone book. I actually have read Dear Martin, Dear Justice, and Odd One Out, and I have episodes on all three of those books. So it is only fitting that, of course, I am going to read Jackpot. Jackpot is an adorable but like super deep story. It follows Rico, who works at a gas station and she is working the day that that gas station sells a jackpot winning lottery ticket and so she makes it her mission to track down the ticket holder and figure out some way to like get them to cash the ticket or give her the ticket or whatever she's basically just going on this crazy wild goose chase to find the person who she thinks she sold the ticket to and it was really good like I said it was really deep too like they cover a lot of different topics in terms of race and gender and socioeconomic status and it is a very good deep look at the world but also it's super accessible because they're seniors in high school and living their lives and have senior and high school problems too so I just really enjoyed it and I had a great time reading it and so I'm very excited to be here talking about it. Books, TV, music, and movies. All things that make a big impact on everyone. I'm constantly gushing about my latest read to anyone who'll listen, so I figured I'd turn my rambling into something coherent that people actually listen to, which means no tuning out halfway through. I'm Maya Ghosh, and this is my take. So as always with a book, we're going to start with a little bit on the writing, but I need to make another disclaimer. I am recording this the day before it is going out. College is insanity. I had two tests this week. There was no way I was getting in time to record before this. And so if this entire episode is a little scatterbrained, but especially the writing section because I didn't have time to like go through my notes and make a plan because I'm recording this so last minute. So if the writing section is especially scatterbrained, I apologize. After golf season ends, I will get better at this, I promise. Anyways, moving on to the writing. You can't start talking about the writing without talking about how beautiful of a book this is. Like Nick Stone's books in the past, I think have thrived on simplicity. You have just like a scrawled little title and a couple characters here and there this one it's bright yellow it's like golden it's such a pretty color you have Rico in the very front and she has this like beautiful red hair but the red hair is made up of dollar bills and like it's just such a striking book it would be a striking book on its own but especially in comparison to Nick Stone's other books like it's incredibly striking in that aspect because all of her other books are very not dull but they're just like they're basic they're simple they're black and they're white and they're red and they have like one line of 
font and like this is just like there and in your face and it's yellow and it's beautiful and so I love the book cover I also love that we have chapter titles chapter titles are the best in any book and I was very happy to see chapter titles I was happy to see a bunch of different representation including the fact that Rico is mixed I love a mixed race representation book I and mixed race obviously and that's why I love it but it was just really cool to see and I really appreciated it and I loved like that other dynamic with it especially with like her entire family dynamic was super interesting because her relationship with her mom was a lot but then she like didn't know her dad or she didn't have her dad around like it was just it was a lot but I loved the way that it was handled. I love that she was mixed race. I also love that she wins at categories because I win at categories. And so I am convinced that I would be really good friends with Rico because we're basically the same person. But I really liked it. I think my favorite thing about the writing is the fact that Nick Stone uses inanimate objects to help tell this story and that was something I was not expecting you know in her other books she's done footnotes she's done journal entries and stuff so it's not that surprising to see that she's switching up formats and playing with that but I was definitely not expecting it to be inanimate objects and I was not expecting it to be different inanimate objects across the entire book like we have the lottery ticket we have crumpled up pieces of paper we have journal entries we have this and that like it was just really cool and really interesting and added this like new dynamic because they were sort of omniscient narrators that gave us a look into our characters lives and gave us a look at like like thoughts and feelings and like the one example I'm really remembering is the one that I can't remember what exactly the object was but we're in Zan's bedroom and it gives us a really good look at Zan's like mental headspace because it like knows exactly how Zan is feeling and like expresses these feelings that Zan would never actually express himself to the reader and so I really loved that I think it added such a cool dimension I yeah, I have nothing bad to say about their writing. It was lovely and amazing. And I read this book pretty quickly. It was only like three days or something that it took me to read. So clearly it's pretty bingeable. It's also very short. Like Nick Stone is able to do so much with so little sometimes. Like I think this might have been one of her longer books, but like Dear Martin and Dear Justice are teeny. This one is not that long. It's like 300 and something pages maybe. Like it doesn't even touch like normal fiction being like around the 330 page mark you know so she does a lot with very little time and I love it and I appreciate it and I always have so much fun reading her books and thinking about her writing because her writing is amazing and now I'm excited to jump in to the plot So, like I talked about a little bit in the intro, this book kicks off because Rico is working at Gas and Go, and this old lady buys a lottery ticket on Christmas Eve, and that's like what sets this off because the ticket is never cashed, and so Rico's like, oh my god, I have to find this ticket holder, 
And before she can actually jump off on her quest, we see her with Jax and she is the absolute best big sister because Jax gets so sad about things and like how he's struggling and he's not like all his friends and like he's just at that age where like living the life that he is living and like being poor and having that socioeconomic status is like it you can't figure out other ways to think about it right like people are just cruel like kids at that age are cruel and it sucks and he just like it's not like Rico where she's made peace with it and like she accepts that like this is her life and like also teenagers are more willing I think to understand than like little kids so he just sucks but then you see him get so excited on Christmas because she gets him the bike but then you see that like tension with her mom because her mom is not necessarily happy that Rico was saving to get Jax a bike as opposed to like helping with bills and stuff and like their family dynamic is just one that's so interesting and I think I could spend the entire episode breaking it down had I actually like planned this out but because I did not plan this out we're just going to keep going and Rico abducts Zan in the cafeteria and is like look dude I need your help like you have money and a car and like we need to figure this out so she meets him in the park and we start to notice that like Zan has totally noticed her over the years and totally knows who she is and totally like has been secretly pining for her for a while but Rico's super insecure about money and insecure just about like herself and has always like put her head down and seen high school as a stepping stone to bigger and better things and so it's that dynamic where like the guy has definitely noticed her and the girl is like insecure and oblivious and I love that dynamic and so they are starting off on their quest and Zan is trying to hack the security footage in Gas and Go and Rico's boss comes back when it's happening but Zan is a very charming liar and lies his way out of it and also Rico's boss is just adorable and I don't think Rico's boss actually wanted to get Rico in trouble because he seems like such a nice like fatherly figure that loves her and cares for her so I was I was definitely with Rico like the secondhand embarrassment the freaking out the like oh my god I'm gonna get fired like all of that but also it's kind of cute to see Zan being like so charming and like not that she's a damsel in distress but the fact that like suddenly someone is coming in and like thinking of her first and taking care of her and like putting her needs above their own where Rico's always been doing that like it's really cute and Rico deserves it because Rico works so fucking hard and doesn't deserve the life that she has been dealt but they they're just so cute right from the get-go they're so cute because they're passing notes in class and then Jax and Rico run in to Zan at the grocery store and Zan and Jax totally bond and that's how you know whenever there's like a younger sibling, a pet, or a kid and the love interest bonds with that like third character, you always know it's going to work out between the love interest and the main character because they've like shown 
that they recognize things that are important to the main character and are willing to put in the time and effort and aren't just like only looking at the main character they see their entire lives and so it was adorable and I loved that Jax and Zan were bonding because they were super cute together and then because they're starting to bond we see more about their lives and they start talking and Rico like shares a lot about her dad and how he's not necessarily in her life and like Zan asks the like what are you question and so we get to kind of put him in his place for that I mean he asks it very respectfully but there are just so many better ways to ask that question and so I was kind of like dying on the inside laughing at this and they're bonding we find out that Zan has gotten football offers from Stanford Duke and Notre Dame and he's not going to college at all which this was really interesting to me as a student athlete because to be that good that you are getting offers from top tier division one football schools like Notre Dame football is a huge thing I have a family friend that went to Notre Dame for a year before he transferred he played baseball not football but like Notre Dame football is a huge thing right like Stanford football is huge they make a shit ton of money for these colleges and so college athletes need to be paid not just through NIL but through other things however that is a rant for a different episode but the fact that he's like good enough to have gotten all of these different offers and he's just not considering them like it just it made me wonder about the authenticity of that sentence and when Nick Stone wrote it because football has to be like your entire life to be getting offers like he's not just playing high school football going home and not working out not training with a private coach not doing any of those things and suddenly getting offers from Stanford and Duke like you have to be putting an effort and he doesn't seem to be doing that so I don't know I was just a little confused by that like being a student athlete and knowing how the process works I was like "Eh, this doesn't seem so accurate but we start to see that like push and pull between the two of them because Rico's like you have money you have means like why are you not just going to college you want to go to college but then he's like yeah I don't have a choice like I have to not go to college I have to do this thing that I was told I was gonna do so that tension is starting to build and then they go to the cab company to try to figure out information and Rico has to ball about her fake dead sister to get information like the hijinks that they get up to in this trip is it's a little crazy but then this is where that like accessibility comes in because you see Rico doing this really crazy thing where she's like bawling about her fake dead sister to try to get information to track down this lady and it's like this whole harebrained scheme but then we switch very quickly to Rico fighting with her mom and her mom breaking down about money and the fact that like this is the life that she's given to her children and what do we do and so because you have the crazy hijinks you're like able to process the sad moment you're not just like stuck in this sad rut but it's like still really real and it snaps you out of it very quickly and like it it's very true to life but I think sometimes that gets lost in books right because 
for a character like Rico, like, these things don't go away. They're constantly running in the background. And so she can't just, like, have the adventure of a main character without these things accompanying her, right? It would be inauthentic to her story and her perspective. And so I really think that it's, like, it's really cool, basically, that we get to see these books that, like, take on a fuller take of these things and that, like, understand that these things don't leave characters, especially characters of color or minority characters. So we jump into the fight and then we meet Jess and I was so happy that Rico met Jess. Like, in every situation where a main character is overworked and tired and needs to, like, figure her shit out, yes, it is nice when they meet a love interest, but it is, like, ten times more exciting when they meet their female friend and they meet the girl that they're like, shit, why wasn't I talking to you before this? Like, we're such good friends. I love you. And Jess is this person because she's so nice to Rico, but she takes no shit from Zan and Ness. And like, she grabs Rico and she's like, we're going to Ness's house. And Zan is a little bit tipsy. So he's very affectionate, which was kind of cute. And then it does get a little difficult because Rico drinks some and wakes up lying on Zan, which I was really excited about this, but then she doesn't remember shit and she's like late for work and stressed and freaking out. And so it's this like, it's this more stressful situation than it is a happy situation because of course, like these things follow her. She feels like she can't just relax and be a teenager and like fall asleep at somebody's house because she had a little bit to drink, right? So it sucks. It was exciting that for a little bit she was getting to enjoy that, but then we crash back into reality and we go to church and Zan wants to hug Rico and so Rico actually lets him hug her and then she admits that Zan is distracting when he calls her at work so we're starting to see the feelings come into play and then we figure out somehow that old lady Ethel I think is related to this church and she visited this church so we go to this church organizer's house and she's like bible thumping and racist and like makes comments about them being an interracial couple and like she's just terrible but Zan steals the visitor card for Ethel so we get more information from her and then Rico's mom is able to take them away on a beach weekend but it sucks for Rico because she feels like she needs to be the the adult and she's worried about money and Jax gets sick and they don't know what to do so Zan of course swoops in he's like my sister-in-law is a doctor so she'll come check him out and I'll play with Jax so he's not sad and then they admit that they like each other and they go on a date And, of course, the date has to include Jax, right? Because they have to, like, go to a movie or whatever. And Zan does not bat an eye. He's super excited to have Jax there. And then Rico gets invited to his sister's wedding. And it's just this, like, lovely bonding moment with Jess to, like, go to his sister's wedding and to be, like, getting ready for the wedding and, like, all of that kind of thing. She does have dinner with Zan's family, which is tense and interesting, and that's where we see the, like, the tension in the family dynamics and how they, like, you just start to understand Zan's perspective more because his family is, like, 
unflinching and like just doesn't let him do anything and like you just you still understand Rico's perspective because he has money he has means he can make a decision but you start to understand where Zan is coming from because like his family situation just kind of sucks and because his family situation sucks they go back on the quest and they're looking for information on houses for some reason so they pretend that Rico is pregnant and that's why they need a house and they like run around with this realtor trying to find them houses and they find this little bungalow and it's super cute and Rico's like I could imagine myself living here and then Mr. 50 who has been this guy who comes into the gas and grow and only pays in 50s and like he's been this very like the mythical older lady who turns out to be a prophet kind of side character like he is that turns out he is the financial advisor for Zan's family and has known Zan since he was a little kid but also is a financial advisor for Ethel's like will I think because we found out that Ethel has passed no we don't know that yet we're just going to a financial advisor (laughs) um because later on Rico goes to Ethel's alone and learns that she died of cancer because while we're at the financial advisor or like right after that we find out that Jax has got bacterial meningitis and he ends up at the ER and so Rico's stressed about money and she's stressed about this lottery ticket situation so instead of waiting for Zan she goes to Ethel's alone finds out that she died and then Jax like needs her in the middle of the night and she's super stressed and she doesn't know how to get there because there's no buses so she calls Zan and Zan is so nice and lovely and holds her while she breaks down and like goes with her to go see Jax and then he sets up this whole promposal in Jax's hospital room and she gets to go to prom and Zan asks her to be his girlfriend and they kiss and it's so lovely and I was so excited for her and then they go to break in to Ethel's storage unit and Zan reveals that of course he turned 18 on Christmas Eve and he wanted to do something that felt different so he bought a lottery ticket and that lottery ticket happened to be the one that won and he had not been cashing it because he had been saying this entire time like if I'd won the lottery I wouldn't cash it like the lottery fucks up people's lives it's a terrible thing like people shouldn't have access to that kind of money if they've never had that kind of money which I understand the lottery ruins people's lives but you just gotta let people live their lives and let people do that like you can't police people like that so I was kind of with Rico on the fact that like you don't have the authority to be saying that but Obviously, him revealing this causes a giant fucking fight, and it's really sad because I really loved them together, and I was really sad that they weren't together, but then on her birthday, 50 visits Rico, and they go to lunch, and we find out that the ticket was cashed, and this trust was set up that, like, gives her money and puts it in, like, Like, it gives her a stipend, but also puts a lot of the money in a bank account for her to use when she's, like, fucking 40 or something. And so, we realize that Zan is trying to do some good with this money. And then, he bought the house, 
and is taking a gap year, I think, and then going to go to Stanford next year. And Rico has decided that she's going to go to space camp because she always wanted to go to space camp as a kid. And now she has the money, so she's going to fucking go to space camp. And that's where the book ends. And so to wrap up this episode, I'm sorry it was a little scatterbrained, but I am so happy that I'm talking about this book because it was so good and I had such an amazing experience reading it. It was so beautiful, both physically, like that cover is amazing and stunning, but also like the story that we tell of both this like main character worthy adventure scheme and these are the struggles of being somebody of low socioeconomic status. These are the struggles of being a mixed race person. These are the struggles of not necessarily the struggles, but like these are the differences in socioeconomic status. These are the differences in how our lives have been, right? Like we touch on a lot of deep topics and I really appreciated it and loved it. And I think this is the last YA book that I have on my Nick Stone backlist. So maybe I'll read a couple of her middle grade. You never know. But I can't wait to see what she comes out with next because I know it's going to be a stunning little masterpiece. Fuck, I said something. And this is in one of my episodes. But when I was reading either Dear Martin or Dear Justice, I finished it and I looked up and I said something along the lines of Nick Stone writes like brilliant little masterpieces or something like that. I told it to Marissa and then I wrote it down and I used it in my episode, and I forgot what it was, but it still rings true for this book. I loved it. I, yeah, that, I don't know what else to say besides I loved it. I need to wrap this episode up. So, yeah, I have been Maya Ghosh, and this has been my take on Jackpot by Nick Stone. Thanks for listening. So we're kind of a one-woman show here at My Take, so the credits are not going to be very long. This podcast is produced and edited, um, by me. I do all of my own social media. The only person I really have to thank is one of my great friends, Paris, who did the music that is in the intro and that you're listening to now. So thank you, Paris, and thank you all for listening. You can reach me at underscore my take on Twitter and Instagram, and please leave a rate or review wherever you listen to this podcast. That helps a ton. So yeah, thanks for listening.